this is a prepaid call from Joe. Welcome to Doing Time with Joe. I'm your host, Joe Baker. And I'm your co-host, Anais Lucia. And today's topic is the dehumanization of inmates. Uh, so, Joe, did you want to maybe start off explaining a systemic dehumanization? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, dehumanization. What What is that? What is dehumanization? Um, dehumanization is the denial of full humanness in others mm-hmm. and the cruelty and the suffering that comes with that. You know, what does that mean, basically? And <clears throat> what that means is that when you have situations where um, you'll see somebody else is not fully deserving, you know, of that those human qualities that we all have. And that alone is not dehumanizing, but what, what makes it dehumanizing is that based off of that perception that you have, of the other person or that group of people, rather, mm. uh, you will mistreat them. You will do things to them that are not deserving or, or not right to do when it comes to dealing with another human being. And that's what we all do. And I uh, am familiar with that, intimately familiar with that when it came to my crime. But before I get to that, I'm going to also talk about, let me tell you a little bit about systematic dehumanization and how that works, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's the process of depriving a personal group of positive human qualities. Now, that's what this show is primarily going to be about, how we get to that point to where we dehumanize each other, specifically when talking about in prison and things like that, you know, and, and, I, and I'm fully aware of the aspect of dehumanizing because after you know, I thought about it in preparation for the show. I realized that um, that is exactly what I did uh, when it came to my victims. I dehumanized them. There was no other way for me to be able to commit my crimes mm-hmm. uh, unless I saw them in a way that was not deserving mm-hmm. of that full humanness. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I didn't see them as somebody that was deserving of all the the rights and the respect that comes along with being another human being. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And how did you uh, get to that point where you dehumanized your victims? Well, I, um, in short, I guess I, I got to that point because I, um, I allowed like the street logic of, you know, to override, I'm going to say it like that. I allowed street logic to override you know, what I had been taught by my family, mm-hmm. you know, my grandparents, you know, my parents. My mother died when I was seven. My father was in prison most of my juvenile life. So my grandparents raised me, and I just totally uh, ignored what they had taught me about treating others like you wanted to be treated, being decent to people, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I ignored that, and I allowed that street logic to take over, that logic that says that, you know, uh, don't you, you don't empathize with other people when you're in the streets. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's about you. Even though you might run with a, with a group, you still are primarily concerned about you and your well-being. And that's what I did. And that's what opened me up to being able to even consider committing murder. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't like I planned it. It's kind of like you... It's, it's kind of like 
being possessed. I'm going to say it like that. Oh, okay. You start to think a certain way. You start to see things a certain way. And before you know it, you're capable of doing anything. Mm. And that is what opened me up to that. And, and as I, like I said, as I was preparing for the show, I started to realize that I dehumanized my victim. That was the only way that I would have been able to do that. Mm. You know, and it made me harken back and think back to, you know, what my lawyer said uh, the DA was going to do to me. And that is over the course of the trial, because I was tried for the death penalty mm. in one of my cases. But over the course of the trial, the DA was going to, in his own way, take the jury on the journey to where they would see me as less than. He didn't use the words dehumanize. My lawyer did. Mm-hmm. Nor did the DA. But he did tell me, my lawyer, he did tell me that the DA was going to take the jury on a journey to where it would make them feel comfortable in giving me the death penalty. And he did that by, well, he tried to do it. I didn't get the death penalty, thank Mm -hmm. God. But he tried to do that by, at the beginning of the trial, he would refer to me as Joe or Mr. Baker. And he would even laugh when he would say it, not like, a sarcastic laugh, as if we were buddies, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. this person here, oh, Joe over there, this is his neck. And throughout the course of the trial, it went from Joe, Mr. P- Mr. Baker, to that person. And by the time we got to the uh, closing arguments, it was monster. He wouldn't even call me by my name. Oh, wow. You know, he wouldn't even look at me. He oh. would turn his back oh, on me. You know what I'm saying? And, like... He disgusts me. You know, he was saying things mm-hmm. that would enrage the jury to, so that they could see that I was this monster that he was portraying me to be. And by doing that, it would make it easier for them to see me as a person that was not deserving mm-hmm. of that full humanness. That uh, It would help them see me as a person that, well, not even as a person, it would help them see me as a monster, somebody that deserved to be put to death. Mm-hmm. It didn't work, but he tried it. And that was my first experience into how, you know, um, dehumanization works. You know, so after that, you know, I kept going on and, you know, like I say, preparing for the show. And I started to realize that, okay, the system works in a way to where they slow. They don't tell you that's what they're going to do, okay? Mm-hmm. They don't tell you that. That's not what they come out and say. But they slowly prepare you to feel like you deserve the treatment mm-hmm. that you're going to get. So you basically become a co-conspirator in that because you become numb yourself. And it starts at the very beginning, you know, from the first moment that you're arrested, when they put those handcuffs on you. Have you ever had handcuffs put on you? <laughs> no. Never, ever, ever. Good. I'm glad. It's not something you want to experience. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But when you... When, when when I had those handcuffs put on me, mm-hmm. it was like, dang, I'm looking at this like, what is going on? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew I was under arrest, but it was like, this. it, it was heavy and it was cold. And it, it was like, it was that first indication that, you know, I can't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. I can't leave because after they put the handcuffs on, then he grabbed the middle of the handcuffs as if to say, we got you now. Oh. You know what I'm saying? And you're not going anywhere. You know, and then once I got into the police station, they uh, fingerprinted me. 
and took me through that process. And as I was going through that process, I started to remember uh, some things that my uncle had taught me growing up. My uncle, John mm-hmm. Baker, mm-hmm. Uh, he's a genealogist, and he wrote a book about our family. And in that book, he talked about, you know, how our family was treated at Washington, the plantation that they were raised on. Mm-hmm. And But he also taught us as we were growing up a lot of the things that slaves went through. And I started to remember, you know, some of the things that he would tell me, and it just made me think back like, that. this is what was going on. And I, like I said, I couldn't help but compare the process of the, you know, from the arrest to me subsequently ended up in prison. And then, you know, what my lawyer told me that was going to happen. And then as I kept going on and on, I'm like, dang, this is the process that you go through when they are attempting to dehumanize you. Why they do it? I believe they do it because they want the people that work in the system to be able to sleep at night. Because imagine if they told you, let's say that you, do you know anybody that's in law enforcement? Or corrections? No, I just ha- I have friends who like have like relatives in it, but I don't know anyone personally. Right. Well, just imagine if you went to any prison and applied for a job, right? Mm-hmm. And they told you, said, "Look, part of getting this job, part of the uh, the, the criteria for getting this job is that you're going to have to go in there and you're going to have to treat other human beings as if they're not human beings, mm-hmm. and we're going to show you how to do that." And so you'll be able to go home and sleep at night and feel good about yourself. You know, and imagine if they told you that, would you go ahead on and go through with the interview and uh, apply for the job? No. <laughs> you don't think you would? And, and, I, and, I, and I believe that. I, I don't think you would, and I, and I don't think most people would if they told them that. Yeah. But that's not what they tell you. Mm-hmm. They tell you that you're going to be doing a good thing for society. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to be protecting the public. Mm-hmm. from these dangerous criminals, these monsters. And in that, they convince a lot of people that this job is something worth doing. Now, don't get me wrong. I do believe that we have to have prisons. I do believe that uh, we have to have law enforcement. I support that. I really do. Mm-hmm. I, but I also believe that a whole lot of things, 99.9% of the things that are done need to be changed. I really believe that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I am one of those people that believes that the system needs to be more about uh, public safety as opposed to constantly locking people up and doing all these things. But anyway, that's another subject. We'll talk about that another time. Mm-hmm. Okay? But anyway, as I went through preparing for the show, I kept on thinking about, you know, uh, how, you know, you get to this point and, and what happens and all of the things that go on. And and I started to think about it. I said, wow, you know, this is not just about uh, how the system turns uh, decent people into people that uh, mistreat other people as a part of their job. This is also about how inmates in prison treat each other. Oh, okay. We learn this process of dehumanization, whether we realize it or not, uh, when we get into the criminal aspect of life and we continue to treat each other in a way that is dehumanizing all the way through it. Mm-hmm. At the same time, telling ourselves that this isn't a life. You know, um, we, it's something that we always say, uh, you know, criminals anyway, and say, you know, gangsters do what they want to, suckers do what they can. Mm-hmm. That statement, that phrase right there embodies 
what it means to uh, dehumanize another person. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I look at life, you know, when I did live that lifestyle, fully, I'm talking about fully lived that lifestyle, I looked at things as if I can do what I want to do. You oh. know what I'm saying? And you, you just fall in. And, mm-hmm. I, and, and, and I, you fall in really where I want you to fall in, and that's that on that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that what I was doing is perpetuating the same behaviors, the same mindset that I had learned that in preparation for this show, I found out were dehumanizing other people, you know what I'm saying, other human beings, you know. Mm-hmm. And in here, that's what we do every single day. We rob from each other. Mm-hmm. We steal. Uh, we, we assault. In some cases, people get raped. All of those things we do to each other. Mm-hmm. And we do these things because we don't see the value we don't mm-hmm. see the full humanness in each other anymore, and we have to. We should have. We should ask ourselves the question: Is how did we get there? Yeah. How did we get to that point to where we feel like it's okay to do another human being like that? Mm-hmm. And I think if we looked at it as if we, uh, like it, it should be looked at as if we are dehumanizing other people, uh, we would stop that. But we don't do that. Mm-hmm. We continue to go on about it, and we say this is just how prison is. Mm-hmm. It's something that has become acceptable. It's something that society has accepted to be. This is what prison is for different reasons. You know, they want people to be afraid to come here, right? Mm-hmm. So they perpetuate that this is what prison is. You go in there, you're going to get raped. You're going to get this. You're going to get that. So you don't want to go there. So you need to behave and follow the rules. Mm-hmm. You know, in here. We perpetuate that because we're trying to survive. Mm-hmm. But either side, whether you are a free world person perpetuating it because you don't want people to come here or you're a person inside or a prisoner in it that is trying to survive, we're both wrong. Because mm-hmm. both of those processes require you to be somebody that does not see or recognize the full humanness in another human being. And that is part of the problem that we have. We don't see each other as equals. We don't empathize with what the other party is going through. We just don't do it. You know, mm-hmm. and we have to get to that point where we can do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. Okay. So you already. Um, when we, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to ask a few other questions, but I think you already covered. Go ahead. Come on. Um. So what are some other ways that the inmates are, you already covered some, but I don't know if there's other ways that the inmates are dehumanized and the DA dehumanizes, dehumanizes you? Well, yeah, yeah, okay. When it comes to us being dehumanized by uh, prison guards or prison officials, uh, we're, de- we're dehumanized when, uh, like, a lot of times they they'll bring tools around, you know, like people that will come in, visit us to the institution. Mm-hmm. They'll bring them in, and when they do that, we have to stand in front of our doors, stand at attention, you know, hands down to our sides and stuff like that, right? And I'm telling you, every time they do it, and every single time they do it, I feel like I'm an animal in a zoo. Oh. They they come around, yeah, and we got to stand there, and they look at us, and then they don't come to us, and they'll say, uh, "Inmate Baker," blah 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 blah, right? Even though I would take offense with that because mm-hmm. my name is Joe, it's not Inmate Baker, it's Joe Baker, mm-hmm. but. When they when they come over there, they'll say the offender or oh. the inmate, 
And it's like they really don't even look at you eye to eye. You know what I'm saying? That's another thing they do. They don't even look at you eye to eye like you really don't exist. It's like they're standing in front of you like sideways. They oh. give you the side eye and point towards you. Mm-hmm. And then when they point towards you, they expect the person, the visitor, you know what I'm saying, to understand I'm talking about him. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Those things. Not, and that's, again, not recognizing the full humanness in that person. Not seeing that person as somebody that deserves to be looked eye to eye, that deserves to be called by their name. We're not going to do that. Oh. We're not going to call these people by their names. They are either inmate or offender. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that wears on you. That wears you out. You know, I'll never forget, I had a cousin here named Tony. And he worked at the at the clinic, the hospital. We call it the clinic. Okay. And they had a tour come in, and he was well-liked by the staff and everybody up there, you know? Mm-hmm. Good hard worker. He's out now, so he wouldn't mind me telling this story, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But he, he was a hard worker for everybody liked him. So they bought this new group of nurses around to tour the institution to decide if they wanted to work here. And when they brought him around, they introduced him or them to him. But they didn't call him by his name. They called him offender. And when he came back in from work, he was talking to me about it. And he was almost, you know, teary-eyed. He was like, this didn't even make sense to me. He said, they talk to me when nobody's around. They treat me like I'm somebody when nobody's around. Mm-hmm. But as soon as we have guests, or that's what we call it anyway, guests or visitors. Mm-hmm. As soon as we have guests, they introduce me as the offender. Won't even call him by his name. And it hurt him. Yeah. And I said, man, you know, I, I, I'm sorry that you had to go through that, but that's that's how it is in here. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want people to see us as somebody that deserves that respect that another human being would. We're just pieces in a machine, and that's it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And other ways that they dehumanize us is like strip searching. Okay. Now, yeah, yeah, and I'm glad that you never had handcuffs put on you, but I'm even more glad. That I, I'm assuming that you haven't been strip searched either. Because yeah. it's the most dehumanizing thing that a person can go to go mm-hmm. through, I'm telling you. Because uh, when you go to visit, before you get to go out there to visit your people, they pat you down. Mm-hmm. But when you leave visit and on your way back to the compound, they make you get in a room and you take every stitch of clothing that you have on off. Oh, wow. You have to. Yes, you have to spread your cheeks. I'm not trying to be nasty or graphic. Here. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? But I want people to get a visual of what I'm saying. Oh. They tell you to spread your cheeks, bend over, squat, and cough. And they physically, oh. they look into your rectum. Oh my gosh. They look. Yeah. And you have to do that over and over. And sometimes they'll say, wait a minute, squat and cough again. Oh my gosh. Squat and cough again. Yeah, over and over until they're satisfied. You have no say. You can't refuse it. If you refuse it, you lose your visit. Oh. You go to the hole. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you have no say. And that's another way they dehumanize us. And when you're on the compound, depending on what's going on, they do the same thing, strip search you. Mm-hmm. And they do that in the name of security. Mm-hmm. And I understand on one level, but there's a part of me that says, okay, there should be a better way to do this. Yeah. There should be a better way to police the institution without having to treat people like they are animals. Mm-hmm. Really, you know what I'm saying? And that's the part that's hard for me 
because I think that a lot of what we go through in here is disguised as the need for security mm-hmm. when it's not even about that at all. It's about dehumanizing us. And then on top of the strip search, and I'm going to give you another example. I'm going to fool real quick before you ask me any more questions. Mm-hmm. I'll give you another example. Uh, when they shake us down. Well, okay, shake down meaning they're coming to the cell that we live in and they'll go through all of our property, okay? okay? Looking for contraband. And contraband is anything that is not allowed to be in here by the institution. Contraband can be uh, a certain type of ink pen that they don't sell that we might have gotten however we got it, uh, or any kind of clothing item, drugs, phone, anything like that, right? That's considered to be contraband. Mm-hmm. So they'll come into your room, sometimes with a dog, right, and run the dog all over the room. They jump up on the bed. Now the dog jumps up on the bed, sniffing, all this and that, uh, spit coming out of his mouth and all mm-hmm. this and that, feet nasty, dirty, jumping all over the bed, all over the sheets and blankets that you have to sleep on. Mm-hmm. They'll throw everything in disarray. Yeah. All of that. And then leave. And you have to clean it up. Wow. You have to clean it up. Yeah. It's, and and they'll say that in the name of security, they don't have time to put your stuff back on the shelf, but they expect you to fold it, put it back up on the shelf as if they had never even been there. And they do. And, and then I know a lot of people that might be listening to this episode, they'll say, well, they got to do something because y'all this and y'all that. Mm-hmm. That's what they got y'all convinced of, that we're just these monsters. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, I'm not saying that the crimes that we committed, some of us, some of the crimes that we commit are not monstrous. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they're not. I get that. I get that. You can't have people running around killing and raping and all that kind of stuff, selling drugs. You can't have, I get that. Yeah. But becoming to prison is the punishment. Yeah. All the other stuff, the treatment and all of that. Mm-hmm. Now, see, now that's that's the part that's dehumanized. You're not trying to make me a better person. You're trying to break me, and that is that plantation idea mm-hmm. of policing. You feel what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. I, I, I'm gonna let you give ask me other questions because I get to going on that too. You know <laughs> what I mean? Well, um, kind of yeah. ties into probably like the next question I was gonna ask was uh, why it's why it's a problem. Do why dehumanization is a problem. So, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll say it like this. <laughs> what type of person do you want living next door to you? You know what I'm saying? What type of person do you want living next door to you when they get out of prison? Do you want the person next door to you that feels like, uh, you know, they they were hard on me in there, so I'm going to be hard on people out here? Mm-hmm. Or do you want somebody living next door to you that came in here, accepted the punishment, accepted responsibility for what they've done? or what they did, and learned the error of their ways, mm-hmm. learned that, you know, their neighbor is somebody that's deserving of respect, their property deserves not to be taken. That's the type of person that I hope that most people want living next door to them. But in here, dehumanizing people, you can say what you want to say. Look, well, you know, people tell you, say, well, that, that's just how they do you. Now, when you get out here, you don't need to be acting like that, and, and you need to let leave that in the past, and this isn't that right. I, that's cool. That sounds good. But when you dehumanize somebody, you set the stage for PTSD, and you don't know what will trigger that when you get back out. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? 
the person that's going to be living next door to you needs to be somebody that is uh, just understand what it means to be respectful, law-abiding, kind, decent, and all of those types of things because you don't want somebody living next door to you that's basically been turned into a monster. Mm-hmm. If you come in here a monster, you shouldn't be going out uh, worse than that. You know what I'm saying? If that's what they want to call us. There's no justification in it. And it's time for people to stop letting the people that run these places tell you that it's all our fault, that we don't want to learn, that we don't want to change. I'm telling you, now, I do see guys in here that all of us continue to break rules. You feel what I'm saying? In some small way or another. You know what I'm saying? You might have an extra T-shirt or some of the guys like to smoke and all these types of things. These are habits. Mm. You feel what I'm saying? As far as like smoking and and, and the things that they say that are illegal in here would not be illegal out there. Let's put it that way for the Mm. most part. Mm -hmm. Now, you do have people that are breaking laws. I'm not talking about rules. I'm talking about laws. You got to deal with that. I get it. But for the most part, people in here, if the help was available, I believe the majority of the people in here would accept that help. Real help, not something, you know what I'm saying, that's not going to help us when we get out there. Teaching us how to do uh, jobs that are going to be irrelevant in five years, and we know that they're going to be irrelevant. You know, I'm not talking about I'm talking about real change. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that way, I believe that, you know, most people would accept that help. So, you know, like I said, the, the, the reason that it's such a big problem is because we're, we're taking people coming in that society says are monsters, they're leaving out of here worse. Can't continue to do that. You know what I mean? Can't yeah. continue to do that. Okay. Last question. Um, what can be done to stop the dehumanization of inmates? Oh, okay. Well, what can be done to stop it? It depends. Okay, let me let me look at it like this. If you, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the law enforcement side first. If you're in law enforcement, right, you mm-hmm. can really really take a hard look at the training that you get, whether it be like police officers or corrections or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I've never been to a training academy, obviously. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. But what I will say is that some of the people that I know that have been there that uh, have talked to me or whatever, they tell us that they tell them to treat us like we're crap. We're the lowest of the lowest. We're the, we're the, the gum on the bottom of your shoe. And to treat us like that, mm-hmm. that has to stop. That type of mentality, training them to see us as somebody that is not deserving of respect, that is not deserving to be treated decently. That has to end because, again, that opens the door to them treating us like we're not human, that full humanness. Regardless of the crime that we committed, we are still human beings, and we should be treated like that. If they Mm -hmm. want us to treat people like that, they need to set the example. The example. you got to take a lot of these people that are in here they have not really had those models to see that, you know, you know, treat people like this and treat people like this. Some people, they come in here, I'm going to keep it real. They don't know any other way, you know what I'm saying, by mm-hmm. virtue of their circumstances. That's not judging them. That's just what it is. So you've got to put a better example in front of them so they can say, oh, okay, this is how you act. Mm-hmm. This is what you do when you, you know what I'm saying, when you treat your neighbor decently and respectfully. You got to do those types of things. You can't just say that, but then at the same time, uh, smack me or uh, take me to the hole and, and, and kick me in my face and things like that. That You set the wrong example when you do that. 
You yeah. know, it's like, you know how people always say, uh, do as I say, not as I do. That's mm-hmm. kind of like what it is. You know what I'm saying? You have a lot of people in here that work at these places there in law enforcement. They do it the way it's supposed to be done. You got admiration for them, and, and you look up to them and you respect them. And you got a small amount of people that are on that bull. You know what I'm saying? So for law enforcement, that's what I say. For people in here, the inmates and all of that kind of stuff, we have to quit treating each other like we don't matter. We have to do that. And until we do that, it's kind of like for me, it's like, why should I expect them to treat me like I matter? Yeah. If I don't treat myself and others like I matter, why should I expect them to do any better than that? Mm. You have to be the change that you want to see. And that's something that is hard for me to understand when it comes to the inmate population. Because we talk all of this, well, they shouldn't be treating us like that. I don't know why they do that. Somebody needs to call the news. Somebody needs to put them in handcuffs so they'll know how it feels and all this and that, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm sitting here saying, okay, well, you need to quit running and robbing your neighbors. Yeah. You need to quit. Uh, you know what I'm saying? You you sitting over here, you beating up this dude next door to you because he's smaller than you. You need to quit doing that. You know what I'm saying? We can't keep demanding a standard from the law enforcement side and, and we're not holding ourselves to that same standard when it comes to each other. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So that's something that, that we can do to stop the dehumanization on both sides. Keep in mind, I want to keep it balanced because I'm not going to criticize law enforcement because I do believe that the majority of them, they do what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to criticize law enforcement and not criticize uh, inmates too. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm just not going to do that. Because it's, it's, it's enough blame to go around for what's going on with this stuff, and we just need to stop it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if that's the last, is that the last question that well, you got um, today? Yeah, I just wanted to make a quick comment. Um, I don't know. I yes, just sure. another question co- co- slash comment. Um, okay. Because I don't know if you n- know about the like prisons in Norway specifically. Um, they're very uh-huh. different than the U.S. Yeah. ones in terms of how they treat the inmates. Uh, and their recidivism rate is really low. I think um, they say a lot of it is because of that reason. They treat them like a lot way better. <laughs> like so like it's like oh, yeah. crazy how much better they treat them. Like they have them in like almost like apartments instead of like it's more it's more like a nice wow. room, like a nice dorm room. They still can play like uh-huh. video games. They like um, and they they were talking about how yeah they treat them like human beings because but they still try to help them with whatever led them to commit those crimes and so I kind of like their yeah. their model there so I don't know I was just wondering if you had ever like heard of the how the the jails there and um, like the prisons I have. yeah I have yeah that yes I have that's something that uh, a friend of mine in here named Brian we talk about that all the time okay. you know how the Norway system the Denmark system is totally different. You know, uh, they the, the, certain crimes. You know, uh, they do certain things with. But for the most part, you know, some of those systems over there, you can go into the prison. You 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 get to take your f- cell phone with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can still go to work. Uh, in some of the places, even the construction. Imagine this: the construction of the place is different. You don't. They don't see. You don't see the fences and all that. They have shrubs and trees mm-hmm. to where you know it looks. They don't want that look of prison because it does something to you psychologically as well you know what i'm saying so yeah i'm very very familiar with the norway system i think it's one of the better ones in the world uh i just i don't understand for the life of me why um 
the U.S., the, the most dominant country on the planet, the richest country on the planet, too, I just don't understand why we continue to want to hold on to a system that is not producing the type of results we know that we that it's not producing. You know, when you have, depending on what state that you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Now, take the sound out of these. Depending on what state you're talking about, you have a recidivism rate from anywhere from 49% all the way up to 69% within the first three to five years. Now, come on now. If you were running a business, if you were running a business and the uh, the rate of recalls on your product mm. was anywhere from 50 to 70%, nobody would buy your stuff. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? You wouldn't be able to stay in business. So how is it that we allow, we accept that our prison system are failing, in my opinion, and we don't want to take chances and try to change it? Well, we have examples, like you said, the Norway model. Well, we have examples. I mean, yeah, because I wish they would implement something like that. But my my theory is that because, you know, here they make, you know, people make money off of you know, all the you know, prisons yeah. and stuff. So it's like they don't they don't want people to, to you know, yeah. really reform because then they're not going to make money. That's my theory, but. I think you hit it on the head. <laughs> I think you hit it on the head. I, I don't think that they want that too, but, it, you know, but that's the problem that we have a lot, with a lot of the things that go on in this country. It, mm-hmm. It's follow the money. Follow the money. Yeah. But until people like you, you know, decent people out there that uh have the insight and the knowledge about certain things that are going on in the world, specifically, specifically when it comes to the prison system. You know, you, you get more involved and, and get at these politicians and, and, and push them. And if they, don't do, if they don't do what it is that you want them to do, don't let them use some other issue to get you to continue to vote for them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because the truth of the matter is somebody else will come along and keep certain things in place that you like, but... We have to start, well, the electorate, the people out there that can vote, I can't vote, we have to get passionate about this issue of prison and stop letting them put this on the back burner. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And real reform, not calling something reform and, 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 and people not read the bill, and, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and, uh, and running with it and thinking things are going to change when well, nothing is changing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, yeah. I'm glad you brought it up about Norway. That's, that's a good point. That's a good. Yeah, I try to bring it up like whenever I can when I talk to people. Like because some people, so many people have yeah. no clue. They think like the way people are treated in the U.S. prisoners are treated. That's like the only way, and it's like no other countries are doing it way different, and it works better, like much better. So. It works. It mm-hmm. works. You are absolutely right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I'm glad you brought that up. But now it's time for final thoughts. And I'm going to hit you with this, okay. and then we're going to move on. Okay. <clears throat> At the beginning of this episode, I talked about my uncle, John Baker, mm-hmm. author of Washington, Washington's of Washington Plantation. Uh, it's available on Amazon. Just putting a plug in for my uncle real quick. Mm-hmm. And how he um, educated me about slavery and the tactics used to control them. It's amazing to me that those same tactics, in many ways, are still being used today, both physically and psychologically. We all know what really goes on in our prisons and how it sets those ended up for failure. It's time to get real about prison reform in all aspects, even the training of its officers and its mission. To continue down this path is to continue to believe that slavery had its good points. I don't believe that any good came from slavery, 
as an institution. Mm -hmm. I'm certain my ancestors don't either. We must do better. And I want to say that, again, like I always do, I appreciate you, Anna East, as my co-host. Thank you again for another great episode. Uh, And anybody out there that's listening, if you like this episode, share it on your social media. Tell your friends about it. And if you really like it, hit that donate button. You know how it is. You know, got to pay some bills mm-hmm. and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate you listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for using GTL.